It's Emily here, and today I want to invite you to make sure to check out Robinhood Integrative Health. If you are a resident of the Winston-Salem, North Carolina area, and you're looking for a doctor who treats you differently, looks deeper into the issues that you're having, and seeks to hear you as a person and really help to get you better, then I can't recommend Robinhood Integrative Health, where Dr. Wiggy practices enough. Make sure that you go to their website and see how you can benefit from their services today. And did you know that they even take some insurances, which basically never happens in integrative medicine. So make sure to check them out and enjoy the episode. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Healthy Discourse. It's Emily here along with Dr. Wiggy, and we want to wish you a very happy new year. 2023 is here. And uh, we're going to just talk a little bit about the opportunities that the new year gives us to reflect and plan and, um, and then also talk about three important tests that are important for you to know as you move into a new year if you have um, wealth, health, wealth, <laughs> kind of that, right. if you have health and wellness goals and that's three important tests to know, uh, to, to know your results if you are hoping to optimize your metabolism in this next year. So oftentimes the new year is a time when we set health and wellness goals. And these are just some important things to know to help you as you pursue those goals. I'm struggling with words. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's okay. (laughs) Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, No, I think these three tests are super important and are not often run by uh, your regular primary care doctor. So I do want to go through uh, these three uh, because they really are important for trying to determine uh, how your metabolism is going, if it's sluggish or not. It also helps you determine what sort of uh, substrate does your body burn. Mm-hmm. So it t- kind of tells you if you tend to store fat or if you tend to store sugar or if you tend to store both. Right. Uh, so it kind of gives you a picture for that. But it's very important uh, if you're trying to uh, optimize your health, if you're trying to lose weight, if you're trying to burn fat. Uh, these three tests really are, I would say, necessary in order to know uh, what to do, what can be done, what treatment options do you have available. Uh, Because if you don't optimize these three things, you're not going to be successful. It's just pretty much that plain and simple. Right. So fascinating. But so many times, well, there's lots of reasons why health and wellness, especially weight loss, resolutions fail. Uh, Mm. But many times we go, well, I'll just lay out a couple of those. We go in without any kind of real plan, committing to completely unrealistic things that we're never going to do, like working out at 5 a.m. six days a week while we're eating 800 calories and just all these kinds of things that are totally unrealistic, which I would say is probably the biggest issue. We don't have good, solid plan. Um, But also, people think that exercising more and eating less is the silver bullet to weight loss, and that can sometimes work for the short term. But it can also feel really defeating when you do that and it doesn't work or it doesn't work as well as it used to, or it works for a little while and then it stops and you are feeling completely deprived and exhausted and all those things. So these tests can help you to really pinpoint what your body needs. Yeah. I mean, I would just say 
what they do is they set you up for success. Because if you do these tasks, you have an idea of what needs to be done. You also have objective numbers to say, okay, this is where I am. Mm -hmm. In order for me to make my body into a fat-burning machine, these are the numbers where they need to be. Mm -hmm. And so I think you hit on it that most of the time when New Year's resolutions fail, yeah, they do fail because of a lack of plan. But they also fail because of lack of progress. Mm-hmm. Where people are trying these things and, you know, let's say that they're exercising more consistently, eating well, and the weight's not coming off, which happens more often than not. Mm-hmm. This is, I mean, this is, weight loss has become so much more complicated mm-hmm. than it used to be. I think, you know, maybe 40 years ago, that's, it was probably as simple as that. Just start cutting some calories, cut back on carbohydrates primarily and start exercising and you're going to have good results. But it's not that simple anymore. Right. It's really complicated. And so, and that's why I also just want to extend some, you know, encouragement for a lot of people is that I understand it's not that easy. Right. This is, this is hard. It's hard, hard to get the weight off. Um, and one thing that we'll mention just before we dive into what the tests are is the new year is a great time to reflect and to plan and look forward. And one thing that we like to do every year is to um, kind of pray through what will be our word of the year, reflecting on the year that's ending and kind of where we feel like we're positioned to do things the next year. And this is not one of those, um, you know, speak your vision kind of things at all. But we really do try to pray through it and think about, you know, where has God positioned us through this last year? Where do we feel like he's leading us in the next year? And so 2022 was a year of courageous. And I think that the year fit the bill Mm -hmm. quite well. There were a lot of new things, uncharted territory, um, standing for things that went against the accepted narrative and so forth um, during 2022. And I think that, I know, I think Wiggy and, and his team, and I think we all have worked hard to be courageous mm-hmm. um, this year. And so as we were considering what might 2023 have in store, we feel like we've planted and, and watered and done a lot of things over this last year and even prior and that this year is, this 2023 is the year of solidify. So all of those things that have been planted and even cultivated and, and watered and that kind of thing, how do we help them to grow solidly this year? And so that's what we are working on. And we would love to hear, you can message us. If you're listening on Spotify, you can send us a message and let us know what your word of the year is and how you came up with it because that's always fun to hear. So anyway, side note, but it's something that can be really fun to look back. We actually, on a recent date night, reviewed, I think we started in 2017. I think so, yeah. Yeah, we reviewed all of our year words of the year and just really how they really did seem to um, be very relevant for the seasons that we've been through since that time. So anyway, that's something we do. would love to hear your word of the year, but let's go ahead and jump in. And tell us about these three magical tests. Sure. Let's start with the first one, uh, which I'm a huge proponent of, and that's doing a full thyroid panel. So this is more than just one test. This is a uh, thyroid panel. And the thyroid panel that is traditionally run is just the TSH test, maybe plus or minus a total T4. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that just gives you such a shallow picture of thyroid functioning that it doesn't really give you a a true idea about how well it's, it's actually working. So to do a full thyroid panel, you need TSH, but then you need free T4, free T3, 
uh, thyroid antibodies and reverse T3. Mm -hmm. The ones that primarily play the biggest role with metabolism really can be boiled down to the two, which is the free T3 and reverse T3. So if you can only do two tests out of that whole panel, those would be the two that you need to, you need to know. The reason why it's so important for, to get a good picture for your thyroid levels is thyroid is the primary driver of metabolism. It, it drives the, the, a, a large percentage of our metabolism. And what metabolism determines is how many calories you burn at rest, but also how many calories you burn when you're working out. So it's just a total caloric burn. Uh, so if your metabolism is sluggish, which we see when thyroid levels are low or low-ish, then metabolism tends to be kind of linearly related to that. As thyroid levels decrease, so does metabolism. So a lot of times we'll check a free T3, reverse T3, and what you're looking for primarily with that is you're looking for a ratio. Uh, so you want your free T3 to be on the kind of the higher end, and you want your reverse T3 to be on the lower end. Mm -hmm. um, what we see for a lot of people is that it's the opposite. You see the reverse T3 is on the higher end, you see the free T3 on the lower end. And when that, when that happens, basically reverse T3 is blocking the T3 from doing its job, which is basically turning on the metabolic engine of the cells, and so if you don't have that signal, everything kind of slows down. Right. Everything gets more sluggish. Let's talk about two things related to that. So number one, um, I, I've had this actually happen to myself. So I, I've had TSH can be really low, and that usually is a red flag for traditional medicine. Um, but I know that if free T3 and reverse T3 are in balance, right? Then that doesn't matter that much. Am I saying well, that correctly? So are you thinking about like when you're treating and yeah. you're watching levels? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, well, TSH really is not that great of a marker for, for diagnosis, but also for monitoring. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. So what we see sometimes, especially with the desiccated thyroid, because that uses, that has T3 in it. T3 is the uh, metabolically active form of thyroid. It tends to also be more sensitive to the pituitary. Mm -hmm. So when the pituitary it recognizes that there's thyroid around, which is the T3, then it tends to be lower. Right. So, and a lot of times if you check it and the TSH is low, the, the re reaction typically is to lower your medication. Mm -hmm. uh, but what we tend to see is we look at it more holistically. We say, okay, look at these numbers. We look at the TSH, we look at the T3, we look at the T4, reverse T3, and we say, okay, where, where are the numbers that actually affect metabolism? Right. Because TSH actually doesn't affect metabolism. That may surprise you, but it doesn't. It's a pituitary test. Mm -hmm. The T3 does. The T4 does a little bit. Reverse T3 does uh, in the opposite direction. So mm -hmm. if you want to be looking really for uh, a good T3 level and you want to have a good T reverse, T reverse T3 level, those are the two primary tests to look for. Right. Sorry, and maybe I should have asked this the other way around, but also most traditional medications are TSH medications, correct? No. Oh. So, no, most medications are T4 medications. Oh, right. I'm sorry. Um, T4. Which doesn't have as much effect on the TSH level. Maybe that's what you're thinking. Gotcha. So most of the medications like levothyroxine, Synthroid, Euthroid, uh, those are T4 only medications. And like I was saying, T4 is okay, but it's really metabolically inactive. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really do much. You need to convert the T4 to T3 in order for it to have a metabolically active component. Right. And so that's what we run into. See, we see a lot of people that are taking T4-only medications. Their T3 will be low, mm -hmm. and the reverse T3 will be high. So it actually is not the best medication for most people. Because their bodies are not able to convert. Well, I mean, it's one of the problems that, you know, especially when we're talking about weight, you know, being overweight is an inflammatory response in itself. 
And so when you're taking a T4 medication, you have an inflammatory process already ongoing. Mm -hmm. That inflammatory process changes that conversion of the T4 to T3, and it changes to reverse T3. And so you get that shift in that ratio. You get lower T3, higher reverse T3, and again, it just doesn't work great. Right. All right. So that's number one. Hopefully that made sense. I know it does. That was a lot of technicality. It on was. That one. It was. So that, that's okay. Yeah. So thyroid panel number one, uh, again, is specifically the free T3 and reverse T3. Those are two tests you really need to do. And then the second one is a hemoglobin A1C. Um, and I'll add into that a uric acid level. Uh, so this is looking more for uh, what does your body burn or, or how well does it store sugar? So uh, hemoglobin A1C is a long-term sugar test that looks at your, uh, your sugar in your blood over the past three months. So it tells us how, how much sugar is building up in your body. Uh, uric acid is a little bit shorter time frame, so it gives us a little better picture of insulin resistance, uh, especially with, um, with fructose. So that's a good indicator for how much fructose consumption you're, you're eating is the uric acid level. Uh, but yeah, uric acid, hemoglobin A1C, they tend to give us the best picture for insulin resistance, which really tells us how low carb should you be because your body's basically storing all the carbs you eat and turning it into fat. Right. And people, it can feel not fair sometimes when you're someone who can't, that your body, you know, doesn't burn through the sugar and it can feel unfair. But if you want to actually have results, then... It's good to know these things. Sure. And you also, it's when, you, when things can be purposeful and you feel like you're actually working toward your goal and working with your body, it can, it can really help. And also, over time, you can become less sensitive to Yeah, no, so you definitely can correct a lot of these mm -hmm. things. So yeah, if, you're, if your A1C is high or your uric acid level is high, and then this is, when, we say, when I say high, we say higher than it should be. Mm -hmm. So you can have a hemoglobin A1C of 5.6, which is technically normal, but still too high. Uh, and especially once you start getting into pre-diabetic range, which is 5.7 or higher, mm -hmm. that's definitely too high. So you're storing your sugar in your blood. That's going to be turned to fat. Uric acid, same thing. You want that level generally lower, the better. There is a certain threshold you kind of say, okay, it's low enough, but generally you want that lower, the better. So if the levels are you know, in the middle of the range or higher, for that, then that, that tells us that there generally is some form of insulin resistance developing. Mm -hmm. And you do have to be careful with carbohydrates. And there's also some uh, supplements and some medications that can be helpful for that. Right. And I think a lot of times people hear, you know, low carb and it, it just kind of makes them freak out. And, mm -hmm. and that's when people start calorie constricting instead of reallocating those calories to things that do help better. Like really great tasty sources of protein and lots of vegetables and even you know fats and nuts and that kind of thing that can help your body you can still eat plenty and and um be satisfied mm -hmm. this is not about satisfaction and really still eat with what your body needs so yeah it doesn't have to be miserable it doesn't have to be it, it is challenging <laughs> for sure and that's where a lot of times health coaches come and help uh come in handy uh someone that can walk you through replacements or substitutions for mm -hmm. things and, and ways you can kind of still make certain recipes in a way that's absolutely doable. and it's so it is so doable it is it's doable, I want to just but be, it's not not easy it's not easy no but i think the reason that it feels difficult is because it's different sure and once you can see oh okay well i can substitute this for that and it's still really satisfying and um you know, and everyone's different and sometimes you can still eat 
butter and creamy things and that kind of thing, but you just don't eat it over pasta. And so there's so many great substitutions that can be made and there's a lot of freedom within those boundaries too. Sure, for sure. Uh, and then the last test, which is probably my favorite test out of these, even though I think they're all really important. The last one is leptin. Uh, I, I like this one so much because it also is very helpful and it gives a nice uh, objective number to say, okay, here's your number and this is where it, where it should be. This also takes a fair bit of interpretation. So if you just have a regular doctor check a leptin level to say, oh, your level's normal uh, and you know nothing, nothing that can be done about it. Uh, but what's funny about it is that the range for leptin, if you ever get a leptin level done, it basically gives you a range based on your, on your uh, weight. So the more weight, the more heavier you are, the, the higher your leptin level is considered to be normal, which doesn't make any sense. You want it to be, what is the healthiest range for leptin? Mm -hmm. That's what should be a normal range. Right. What is the healthy mm -hmm. range for leptin? Not as what is it based on your weight? Mm -hmm. Because as you get bigger, your leptin levels goes up. It's a, it's a vicious feedback loop. Uh, because what leptin is, leptin is the hormone that should tell us to stop storing fat, to start burning fat, to start, stop storing it, but what happens is as we continue to kind of uh, to, to gain weight is that this is where the vicious cycle kicks in is that your weight goes up, your leptin level goes up, you become leptin resistant, so it doesn't work anymore. Then you gain more weight, your leptin goes up some more. And so you have to break that cycle. That's mm -hmm. another one that I think is really important that is, that is not, not broken enough uh, for people that you got to get your level to a normal range, right. to a healthy range. Not just what it is based on your weight. So you can, have, yeah, you can have people that are obese and they say, "Oh, yeah, leptin level is normal," but it's like ten times higher than it, it should, should be. be. Yeah, and you've had a lot of great success mm -hmm. with people who have had fat loss resistance and lowered their leptin levels. And yep. So good results. Yeah, this reason why I consider this one one of my favorites is that the first two are critically important and gives gives good results for most people. So optim optimize thyroid levels where you get a good T3, good reverse T3. Uh, optimize your blood sugar, we lower A1C, you lower uric acid. Most people do well with that. But we do see that when even after fixing those two, there are still people that are doing all the right things, eating well, exercising, and their leptin levels are still really high. Mm -hmm. And so that's like the last, that's like the, the missing piece for a lot of people is getting the leptin level reset. Because mm -hmm. you really want just to give you kind of a picture again, what's considered normal for certain weights is up to like 100. You know, and that's just, that's just crazy. That's super high. You really want it to be down uh, less than 10. That's what a good leptin level should be. Right. And so until you get that reset, you're basically going to be in this stuck in this feedback loop where you're storing fat, you're gaining weight, storing fat, gaining weight. And it's just, you got to it. I have a comment on leptin, but, um, how do you find that is the best way for people to reset those levels? So the, well, so you can try and do things naturally. You know, I do think generally staying lower carb and actually staying lower, lower calorie, mm -hmm. this does tend to help with that. And there's different ways you can do that. You can just kind of do some calorie restriction. You can also do intermittent fasting where you're just condensing the times of your, of your food. That tends to, tends to work fairly well. Uh, I think our product leptin synergy tends to help. There's mm -hmm. a, a couple ingredients in that that have some evidence that helps kind of reset leptin levels. There's really not a ton of research on this, actually. It's fairly new. Mm -hmm. uh, so there are things you can do. It, it is, you have to be pretty consistent, though, mm -hmm. in order to see leptin levels come down. And that's, that's where it's probably most frustrating, is that you have to be really consistent for a, pretty, for a long period of time. Yeah. You know, this takes six months or so for a lot of people to reset their leptin levels. So I think in certain circumstances, it's, if things are, levels are good, like thyroid levels are good, blood sugar levels are good, they're doing things right, 
leptin levels stay high. I think in those cases, I think there is an indication for using some medications like a GLP-1 medication, like Wagovi or Saxenda or uh, Ozempic, like those types of medications, because they do help. Mm -hmm. There are you know, pros and cons to it, so it's not, a, it's not a magic bullet, but it really does seem to help reset leptin levels, which gives people more control, right. which I think is, is really helpful is that they say, okay, well now I'm doing these things and now I'm getting results. Right. I was just one note that on leptin, just from the work that I've done over the years, um, it's kind of like that long-term hunger hormone, and it's another reason why dieting, in the traditional sense, is not very helpful. Because what happens is when we restrict and restrict and restrict, and we undereat and overexercise, the leptin levels tend to increase over time, and that's kind of that long-term hunger. That's the thing that when the willpower runs out. You that causes people to just overindulge. It's that all or nothing. It's really the nothing. That's when the the nothing hits comes in, and that's another reason why when we are planning as far as how we're going to approach a healthier lifestyle in any way, to keep in mind that the extremes often backfire, and mm. that can be a, a long term problem, um, especially with chronic dieting, the on and off and on and off and on and off. And I think what you've mm -hmm. seen too, is a lot of the people that have leptin oh, resistance sure. are the ones who have a long history of yes. extreme diets or just gain and lose, gain and lose, gain and lose, which tend to go along with extreme diets. And so, um, it's not always better to do these crazy, intense, extreme changes rather than moderately mm -hmm. approaching realistic lifestyle changes that will slowly help you to achieve your goals because that's one of the reasons we get into leptin resistance. Yeah. No, for sure. You know, and I think it, well, one of the, one of the reasons why the medications help, which you kind of alluded to this, is that the leptin can be, a, you know, the long-term hunger hormone. Mm -hmm. So by helping reset that with these medications, hunger does go down mm -hmm. quite a bit, actually. So there's, there's, a, there's a much uh, better control over cravings and what you, what you desire to eat because your, your hunger actually is decreased by a fair bit. So that's where I think it can be helpful as a jumpstart. You know, I wish it would be nice if we could just do this naturally as, you know, for everybody. I just don't think it's realistic, mm -hmm. you know, for someone with a leptin of 100, 120 to be consistently strict for, you know, a year. And then they're just basically reset, you know, but that's right. when then they have more control, but they're still not, still have a ways to go even with that. Right. So it's, it's a real, it's a real challenge. And you know, you, you were talking about what causes leptin to be high. Yes, it is, you know, yo-yo dieting. That is a problem. Uh, it's basically what, what causes it to be high is any stress in the body. Mm -hmm. So if you are yeah, over dieting, that's a stress over exercising. That's a, that's a stress, but it's also just life stress. Mm -hmm. It's you know, toxic stress. Right. It is, it's any stress. It's, well, it's and hormonal the inflammation that comes right, with weight gain, right? right? Weight gain, that's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. so it becomes a vicious cycle. So you do have to be addressing these other things too, but it's, it's hard to, you know, do these things without seeing some sort of results, mm -hmm. you know, for, for a period of time. Once you start seeing results, people tend to be more motivated to stick with it too. So, but I do think one thing that I would say with the medications is that it's not always more the better. Right is that you try to do lower doses so you can get off of it. Mm -hmm. You know, the goal is not to be on this forever. The goal is to do the low, lowest doses you need to get the levels down 
for you to be successful and then right. try to wean off. Well, and I think what you're saying is it's a tool to help no, you sure. along the way. It's not a long-term crutch. It's not a magic pill that's going to say, oh, well, I take this medication and now no. I'm going to be able to lose 50 pounds by doing the same things I'm already doing, just maybe eating a little less. Like that's not necessarily going sure. to be it. Right. No, we want to use it as a tool to hopefully break bad habits mm-hmm. so that you aren't going to, you're going to make healthier choices because you, because you can. Right. Well, and that's another reason why always done alongside with someone who can really help walk you through you and your particular case, your, cha- your challenges, your struggles, your goals, mm-hmm. and help guide you through in a way that is going to help you to succeed and not just this becomes the, a different way to go your diet. Sure. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Just a tool. And really, any of these are just tools. I mean, I said maybe except for thyroid. Thyroid, if, it is, if you are low on your thyroid, that is a deficiency. That needs to be corrected. Right. And sometimes that would kind of be reversed if you lose some weight. I mean, we have seen that, which is interesting. We've seen as people lose weight, uh, especially when in larger percentages, that they don't need as much thyroid medication, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. So we're yeah. able to lower people's doses over time, which is which is fun too. Yeah. So those would be the three things that I'd say would be really important. That's more than three tests, but those are three categories of things you need to look at. You make sure your thyroid levels are optimized. Make sure you understand your blood sugar. And then also make sure you understand your leptin levels. Awesome. Well, that's it for us today. Thanks so much for joining us and we wish you a healthy, blessed and prosperous 2023 and look forward to hearing some of your words of the year. So be sure to send those over to us in a message and we'll catch up with you next time. Thanks so much for listening.